right. Get a little breath back. The last song is probably a song that um, you older ones remember, huh? Back years ago, the Gaithers wrote, There is something about that name. And that's what we see so clearly in the book of Acts as we look at chapter 4. And we begin reading at verse 1 and read through verse 22. Acts chapter 4, beginning at verse 1. As they were speaking to the people, the priests and the captain of the temple guard and the Sadducees came up to them, being greatly disturbed because they were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And they laid hands on them and put them in jail until the next day, for it was already evening. But many of those who had heard the message believed, and the number of the men came to be about five thousand. On the next day, their rulers and elders and scribes were gathered together in Jerusalem. And Annas, the high priest, was there, and Caiaphas, and John, and Alexander, and all who were of high priestly descent. When they had placed them in the center, they began to inquire, By what power or in what name have you done this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers and elders of the people, If we are on trial today for a benefit done to a sick man, as to how this man has been made well, let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel, but by the name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by this name, this man stands here before you in good health. He is the stone which was rejected by you, the builders, but which became the chief cornerstone. And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven that has been given among men by which we must be saved. As they observed the confidence of Peter and John and understood that they were uneducated and untrained men, they were amazed. And they began to recognize them as having been with Jesus. And seeing the man who had been healed standing with them, they had nothing to say in reply. But when they had ordered them to leave the council, they began to confer with one another, saying, What shall we do with these men? For the fact that a noteworthy miracle has taken place through them is apparent to all who live in Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it. But so that it will not spread any further among the people, let us warn them not to speak, or warn them to speak no longer to any man in this name. And when they had summoned them, they commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered and said to them, Whether it is right in the sight of God to give heed to you rather than to God, you be the judge. For we cannot stop speaking about what we have seen and heard. When they had threatened them further, they let them go, finding no basis on which to punish them, on account of the people, because they were all glorifying God for what had happened. For the man was more than forty years old, on whom this miracle of healing had been performed. Would you join me in prayer? Father in heaven, we have sung this morning about 
the name of, of Jesus. There is no name above this name. At the name of Jesus, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. And we have just sung that there is, there is something about that name. A name of grace, a name of power, a name of truth. A name that we lift up today. As we come to worship you, Lord Jesus, on this Advent Sunday, we pray that you would teach us this morning as we open your word. Lord, guide us into your truth. Your word is everlasting truth. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I have often wondered if Mary and Joseph understood how remarkable the name Jesus is, when they gave their precious son that name. Did they know that there was great power in that name? Did they know that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that he is Lord? Did they realize that more than any other name, there's just something about that name? When Peter and John met a crippled man at the temple in Jerusalem, they certainly came to understand this in a very remarkable way. They saw how Jesus' name was what brought healing to this man. Forty years old, crippled from the time he was born, and yet God changed this man's life in a marvelous way. So what is it about the name of Jesus that is so remarkable? I believe our text answers that question in four ways. First of all, notice that no other name can cause such an uproar as the name of Jesus. If you want to cause an uproar in our culture today, all you have to do is to openly talk about Jesus. And I can guarantee you that sooner or later you are going to get a reaction and quite often the reaction will not be very positive. Uh, Peter and John discovered this in a dramatic way because they were preaching about Jesus, they ended up in jail. Why did this cause such an uproar? One reason why Peter and John caused such an uproar is because their preaching was about the resurrection from the dead. If you notice in verses 1 and 2, it says, As they were speaking to the people, the priests and the captain of the temple guard and the Sadducees came up to them, being greatly disturbed because they were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. Now we might ask the question, what is so bad about teaching the resurrection? Why did they get in such an uproar when this was the message that they proclaimed in Jesus? To the believer, the resurrection is, is a wonderful hope, isn't it? Especially when death comes into our home to know that those who have gone to be with Jesus, there is that hope that we will see them again. The teaching of the resurrection to the believer is a glorious hope. But for those who don't know Jesus, the resurrection of the dead is a fearful thing 
Because the resurrection from the dead means that there will be a day of judgment. And most people do not like to hear about judgment. If you look in chapter 24 of the book of Acts, you have Paul preaching before a man by the name of Felix. And in verse 15, it says that Paul was saying that he had a hope in God which these men cherished themselves, that there shall certainly be a resurrection of both the righteous and the wicked. Both the righteous and the wicked. And if you jump down to verse 25, it says this, but as Paul was discussing righteousness, self-control, and the judgment to come, Felix became frightened. And he said, go away for the present, and when I find time, I will summon you. You see what it was that bothered Felix? The fact that there would be a resurrection of both the righteous and the wicked. And men do not want to hear about judgment in our culture today, do they? God loves everyone. Jesus died for everyone. So therefore, everyone will make it. Or, you go your way, I'll go my way. It doesn't matter if you're Christian or Jewish or Muslim or atheist. God loves everyone. And so when Paul was preaching the message, or when Peter was preaching the message of resurrection, it created quite a stir. They didn't want to hear about that. And it also created quite an uproar because God was honoring the preaching of His Word. If you look at verse 4, it says, Many of those who heard the message believed, and the number of them came to be about 5,000. So here was this little group, the way that was growing and growing. The message was being spread abroad. People were responding. Now there were 5,000 that were saved. And you will notice that the religious leaders were getting a little concerned. Look at verse 14. Seeing the man who had been healed standing with them, they had nothing to say in reply. But when they had ordered them to leave the council, they began to confer with one another. They were saying, what shall we do with these men? For the fact that a noteworthy miracle has taken place through them is apparent to all who live in Jerusalem. And we can't deny it. Here's this guy that was crippled from birth, and now he's standing right before us. We cannot deny this. But so that it will not spread any further among the people, let us warn them not to speak any longer in this name. Can't you just see the the desperation here among the Sanhedrin? This man is, is, is getting a lot of attention. These people are starting to follow him. What are we going to do to stop this? We've got to put an end to this. No other name can create such an uproar as the name of Jesus. The second lesson we learn here is no other name can cure such sickness as the name of Jesus. So having been put in jail for the night, Peter and John were brought before the religious leaders the next day. In the previous chapter, they had healed this man and they wanted to know, what is it, what power, by what name have you done this? 
And so they were brought before the Sanhedrin. Verse 7 says, when they had placed them in the center, they began to inquire, by what power or in what name have you done this? Now, if Peter wanted to avoid any conflict here, he could have just said, well, God did it. And they wouldn't have had problem with that because they were Jews, of course, so they of course, believed in the God of the Old Testament. But Peter made it very clear to them how this happened. In verse 8 it says, Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers and elders of the people, If we are on trial today for a benefit done to a sick man, as to how this man was made well, let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by this name, this man stands before you in good health. So it's the name of Jesus that has the power to heal. No other name can cure such sickness as the name of Jesus. And think of it, they were standing before the most powerful group of men in Israel, the Jewish Sanhedrin. And they were willing to say right before them that it is because of the name of Jesus. No other name can cure such sickness as the name of Jesus. And then thirdly, no other name can convert such sinners as the name of Jesus. Because when Peter responded to their question, by what power or by what, by what name have you done this? He made it very clear that it's by the name of Jesus. But he went on to say that there's something more important than this man being healed in body. And that is salvation. People's lives being changed. In verse 11, he says, He is the stone which was rejected by you, the builders, but which became the chief cornerstone. Then he goes on to say in verse 12, And there is salvation in no other name. For there is no other name under heaven that has been given among men by which we must be saved. Peter makes it very clear that there is only one way to be saved. My uncle, my dad's sister's husband, was an Episcopalian priest. And he didn't know Jesus. And he used to argue with my grandfather that there were many ways to heaven. He said, Isaac, he said, you haven't gone to seminary like I have. You haven't studied these things like I have. He said there are twelve gates on the new Jerusalem, he said. So Isaac, you go your way and I'll go my way. And my grandpa used to argue with him. He said, no, Jesus, and his sweetest bro, Jesus is the way. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. There is no other name given among men whereby we must be saved than the name of Jesus. Remember Naaman in the Old Testament when he was afflicted with leprosy? 
And the prophet Elijah told him to go and to dip in the Jordan River seven times. He said, your flesh will be restored. And Naaman, Naaman got mad. He got angry. And he said to his servant, I thought, he, first he says, aren't the rivers of, of, of Damascus better than this, this Jordan River? Couldn't I have just washed in them and, and been healed? And the servant said, Master, if he told you to do some great thing, wouldn't you have done it? Why not just wash and be healed? And so he did. He dipped in the Jordan River seven times, and when he came up the seventh time, it says that his flesh was restored like the flesh of a little child. And you know what the flesh of a little child is like, don't you, compared to my flesh? As you get old, you know, you get spots and scabs and wrinkles and all that. Just like the flesh of a little child. But there was only one way for Naaman to be healed. And there's only one way for you and I to be saved. No other name other than the name of Jesus. A young man in India came to the house of a missionary for an interview. And in the course of the conversation, he said, many things which Christianity contains I find in Hinduism, but there is one thing which Christianity has that Hinduism has not. And the missionary said, what is that? He said, a Savior. A Savior. Aren't you thankful that we have a Savior? We have Jesus. You will call His name Jesus because He will save His people from their sins. And you and I need a Savior. Why? Because all have sinned and we've fallen short of the glory of God. No other way other than through Jesus. No other name can convert such sinners like us as the name of Jesus. But then finally, no other name can give courage to such simple men as the name of Jesus. Now think of it. This is Peter here that's speaking to the Sanhedrin. And we remember what Peter was like prior to the coming of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. Remember? Oh, you, you, you're, you're one of them, aren't you? Oh, no, no, I'm not one of them. No, I don't, I don't know what you're talking about. Oh, wait a minute, you sound like a Galilean. You've got to be one of them. I don't know what you're talking about. How many times did he deny that he even knew Jesus? This one who said, Lord, I'm going to follow you wherever you go. I'll, I'll be willing to die with you. And then the opportunity came, and what was Peter doing? Just like milk toast, right? Like a wet noodle. Unwilling to acknowledge that he even knew Jesus. And then we see him here in verse 13, and we ask the question, is this the same Peter? <laughs> As they observed the confidence of Peter and John and understood that they were uneducated and untrained men, they were amazed. And they began to recognize that these men had been with Jesus. These men had been transformed by Jesus. These men had been filled with the Spirit of God. 
And Peter was a different man here because the Spirit of God was giving him the boldness and the courage to stand up to the Sanhedrin. Even though he was just a a fisherman. He hadn't gone to seminary, Bible school, huh? What did he know? And yet the boldness that he had before this group of men amazed them. How can it be, they said. We need, be, we need more men like Peter today, don't we? Men who are willing to confront others with the truth of the Word. Even to stand before those who in the eyes of the world are the, you know, the great rulers, the powerful men of the day. Peter stood up to them and said, it's because of Jesus. <laughs> because of Jesus. And they were threatened. Verse 17, they said, let's warn them that they speak no longer to any man in this name. And and when they had summoned them, they commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. And I love Peter's response. He says, whether it is right in the sight of God to give heed to you rather than God, you be the judge. Isn't that great? Okay, do you want us to obey you? Or do you want us to obey God? And then he says in verse 20, he says, For we cannot stop speaking about what we have seen and heard. Not just that we won't stop, we can't stop. Their lives had been changed. God had given them a mission. They were stewards of the gospel. They were responsible to God. They said, we can't stop. This is our calling. This is our mission. Our lives have been changed. We must proclaim this message. And interestingly enough, when they left the Sanhedrin, the first thing they did was they went to the gathering of the disciples and they Ask for prayer. Verse 29, and listen to their prayer. They said, And now, Lord, take note of their threats, and grant that your bondservants may speak your word with all confidence, while you extend your hand to heal, and signs and wonders take place through the name of your servant Jesus. Isn't that amazing? They had been brought before the Sanhedrin because of their boldness. And now they were sent away and they were warned not to speak anymore in His name. And they go back to the prayer meeting and they say, God, give us boldness. Give us courage. I'll tell you what, don't we need more people like that today? People who will not stop. Because the world wants to silence us. The culture in which we live today wants to silence us. Keep the message within the four walls of your church. Don't bring it into the classroom. Don't bring it into government. If you want to talk about Jesus, talk about Jesus on Sunday morning, but don't bring it into the culture. What are we going to say to that? Oh, okay. I suppose, yeah, we'll just know. We need to pray that God would fill us with His Spirit, like He filled Peter with His Spirit. 
And that we would lovingly and yet boldly proclaim, we can't stop, we will not stop. Because we have a message that the world needs to hear. It's a life-giving message, a life-changing message. And it centers around the name of Jesus. Jesus. Mrs. William Booth used to tell the story of a Christian man whose life really left an impression upon her. A man that just seemed to grow with the grace and knowledge of Jesus every day. And, and it's just like, if you were going to talk to him, you know what the subject was going to be? It could be Jesus. He's talking about, about Jesus. As he was dying, there was a document that required his signature. And so someone came and brought him this document and handed him a pen. And he wrote on that piece of paper. And after he finished writing on the paper, he fell over and died. Well, they thought he had signed his name on that paper he didn't write his name. He wrote Jesus. Jesus. It seemed like that was the only name that mattered to him, was Jesus. Because there's something about that name, isn't there? The name that saves us, the name that gives us life, the name of the one who is the only mediator between God and man. That of Jesus. No other name. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. There's just something about that name. Master, Savior, Jesus. Like the fragrance after the rain. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Let all heaven and earth proclaim. Kings and Kingdoms will all pass away. But there's something about that name. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for that precious name. The name of salvation, the name of our Savior. No other name can cause such an uproar as the name of Jesus. No other name can cure such sickness as the name of Jesus. No other name can convert such sinners as the name of Jesus. And no other name can give such courage to simple men as the name of Jesus. Lord, thank You for that name. Thou shalt call His name Jesus, for He will save His people from their sins. Thank You, Lord, that there is salvation from our sins today because of Jesus. We pray in His wonderful, matchless, precious name. Amen.